hello, I am Renee Alexander and I am the Deputy General Manager of the Minnesota State Fair in charge of entertainment and marketing. And I'm also honored to be the chairwoman for AIBA, which is in our 50th year. And I think it's probably fair to say in the 50 years of this organization, we have not experienced what our industry is experiencing right now. So um, today we are here to talk with Bob Cavallari uh, regarding the um, force majeure clause as it relates to COVID-19 and what we're experiencing right now. So um, Bob, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you are an attorney, but this is in no way legal advice. We're just, we're just we're, this is a conversation about force majeure and what it means to our industry right now. Hi, Renee. How are you? It's, it's a pleasure great. to have you here virtually. Um, we, uh, I've been in the industry for a long, long time. I'm one of the, uh, what they consider one of the patriarchs of this uh, business. Um, and just to give you an idea, I supervised Brad Main way back. Um, he was a fledgling starting person. <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, I've been doing this for a long time, but I, I, I have a law degree. I practiced law in the Detroit, Michigan area for a while um, before I got into the facility management business. And uh, I've been in this business for, for over 40 years. Um, so I've seen pretty much it all except for a pandemic. Uh, this indeed is new for me. Um, now, uh, I, I don't actually practice law day to day. It's more in a management role. I work for ASM Global and it's more of a, a management role in which I've been doing for a long time. Um, but in this business, when you're a lawyer, you still end up practicing some sort of law every single day because we live by contracts and agreements and uh, negotiations and, and things of that sort, all of which are legal in nature. So sure. uh, it's, it's uh, I've had a lot of experience in that kind of thing. Yeah, and you know, from a force majeure clause, I've always looked at it from a promoter side as it's the act of God clause. And it's one of those things that I needed to just make sure it was in the contract. I've seen lots of different versions of it, um, but I think probably in the last six weeks, I'm not alone in that being the person who is scouring that force majeure clause and what that language actually says and what it means. So I guess my first question for you is, again, what is, what is force majeure? And when does it excuse um, contractual obligations? Well, and, and part of the reason this can't be legal advice and what you just said is, is really uh, prescient in terms of what I'm gonna talk about. But the reason this can't be legal advice is because force majeure means something different in every state in the union because it is a legally interpreted clause. So whether you're in New York or you're in Virginia or you're in Minnesota, it may be, it may mean something different. It may be enforced differently in, in each state. Um, so when you look back at your contract, as you said, you're scouring your contract, the very first thing you have to do is look at what choice of law provision in the contract and which law, which state's law will be applied to it. Um, if you're doing a promoter contract, you may find that even though you're in Minnesota, uh, they will apply New York law, for example, um, or where the agent is located or things mm -hmm. like that. So that's really the first step. Uh, the second step is to do exactly what you stated, and that's examine your force majeure clause that you have in your contract. Um, it's contractual. We're not talking about some term that's universal. Um, it's defined contractually differently in just about every contract. Sometimes it's very specific. that It identifies very specific items that are 
uh, that will trigger force majeure. Sometimes it's more general uh, in terms of uh, its definition. Um, act of God is a pretty general term. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the force majeure clause I've, clauses I've read recently absolutely specifically name epidemic, uh, and that's really why we're, we're doing this interview today. Um, some don't. Um, some talk about disease, some don't. So it's critically important not only to look at the cho choice of law clause and figure out whose law you're applying, but to also read very carefully what your contract says regarding what force majeure is in your particular situation. And you're going to find that no two contracts are alike, even though you, you may have a contract with your cleaning company or a contract with a with a, an agent or a promoter for a show or, or something else, and they're gonna, they're gonna define force majeure differently. Um, so you really have to pay attention to that. Um, and, then, and then in each case, usually there are some different results from force majeure. Sometimes it talks about just a delay in the contract. Sometimes it talks about an act, the ability to uh, uh, get out of a contract. Um, sometimes it talks about mitigation of damages, uh, do, th do things that when you, when you enact force majeure, do things where you're protecting against further damages. Um, so it's really very much, very much wording dependent in your contract. In, your, in each contract, even within the same venue, it's going to be different. Sure. And I bet it's safe to say that most people in our industry will making sure, be making sure that global pandemic is in their force majeure clause moving forward. That'd be a safe. I will tell you, I will tell you given the, the stay-at-home orders and everything else, it, I think the, the courts, regardless of state, are going to be pretty open to figuring out that this is a force majeure event. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think we're going to have much, much uh, backlash on that one. Sure, sure. So when a party or parties, either side really, because I, I both either side in a in a contract can basically invoke force majeure, I assume. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, so under that are in a, in a thinking about our situation from a, the concert industry, deposits. And are deposits typically returned during a force majeure event? And if so, if not, why or why not? Uh, again, and that's going to depend on the, the language of your force majeure clause. And by the way, sometimes they're written for one party and not the other. Yes. Uh, so you got to look at that. Fair, fair assessment, yeah. <laughs> so it might not apply to both parties. Um, or it might not even be in there at all. And we can get to that a little later. It, you may not even have a force majeure clause. But, but um, uh, in, with respect to deposits, it's really going to depend on what what is triggered, what that force majeure clause triggers. If it triggers, I mean, force majeure basically means that the parties can't fulfill the contract, one side or the other. And in our case, in this pandemic, it's really both sides can't fulfill the contract as it's written. Um, it, it, may trigger, it may trigger the ability to postpone an event and to do it later. Um, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be if you if you end up in court over this, it's going to be interpreted by the court. So somebody that might postpone an event for a full year um, might say that's tantamount to to cancellation. We need to do, we need to have a new contract, and I need my deposit returned. Mm -hmm. um, if if it's for example a, a, a entertainment event that might be canceled, might be postponed 
canceled right now, but is rescheduled for four months from now? Maybe not. Maybe maybe that's holding on to the holding on to the uh, the deposit for that period of time. Um, like anything else, there's going to be a tug and a pull back and forth um, sure. for that. And and if you know what we're seeing a lot of now is things that were postponed earlier and rescheduled for four months away are being postponed for the second time mm -hmm. and now being pushed to 2021. So you get you get to that. My my gut is if it's a business re, business relationship you're after, um, and you want to keep a good business relationship with that other party, you're not going to keep a, a deposit if that event's just not going to happen mm -hmm. through no fault by the party. Mm -hmm. And it it goes back. I think you hit touched on. I mean, it's a relationship, and it's starting. I'm guessing with the conversation with that other party before you're pulling out your force majeure clause and trying to hold people's feet to the fire. That's absolutely, that's absolutely true. You know, there's a, there's a doctrine in contract law called, called in dealing with a force majeure situation called accord. And that is, you know, you, rather than getting into, uh, getting into court, let's find a way to make this work for us. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's negotiate a deal where you're coming back a year from now and we're gonna, we're gonna sign a contract for that right now so that we know you're coming back. Mm -hmm. You're gonna continue to do business with us. Um, the enforcement of force majeure kind of uh, indicates that you're already in an adversarial relationship and maybe you don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't want to be there. Well, and I, and I think in this particular situation, we're all hurting. You know, this, this is not a situation where one side versus the other is, is gaining something. We're, we're all in, truly all in this together. So That's I right. think That's right. not, not forgetting that, that piece of it. Uh, so then you, you touched a little bit on Bob as far as it's varying state by state as far as how, so you want to really look at your contract as far as where the law is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. New York's, for example, very strict uh, in terms, terms of the force majeure clause. If they're going to enforce it, they're going to be looking for a specific uh, delineation of force majeure events. Uh, other states, I know California has a bit of a doctrine of impracticality, which is a little broader and, and uh, allows a party who's it's impractical of performance. That's usually more, more uh, 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 used for economic harm um, situations uh, that they can't afford to do it. it the, the situation has changed where it's impractical to perform the contract. Um, Virginia is a little bit looser in terms of what the courts will allow in terms of the language of force majeure. Um, and, and then if you don't have a force majeure clause, there are still doctrines like impossibility and frustration of purpose, um, which could prevent or could excuse performance under a contract. Could you talk a little bit more about those two, those two items? The, um, what did you call it? The Impossible doctrines of impossibility and impracticability. Yeah, yeah. frustration okay. of purpose. Right. Frustration of uh, purpose. Okay. So they are very, very closely related, and sometimes they intertwine. Uh, the best, the sim most simplistic definition I can give is that impossibility is is that the duty is impossible. The 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 obligation is impossible to do. Like if if your performer died. It would be impossible. Yeah, that's pretty much impossible. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it would be impossible to perform. Um, frustration of purpose, uh, a good example would be, let's suppose 
you decided you cut a deal where you're going to lease some space and you're going to you're going to open a Thai restaurant for Thai food, and the government decides to ban Thai food. Um, that's a you, the purpose you were set for you, that you both knew about when you entered into the contract is gone, um, and so that. There, you might get a court to excuse you from performance of the contract because you can't open a Thai restaurant. Mm -hmm. And and then if there's a obligation for mitigation of damages, uh, the 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 landlord might have an obligation to look for another restaurateur that might open an Italian restaurant in this space. So you know it's very uh, it's it's really court determined. Um, but those are two other doctrines. In our case we're pretty much talking impossibility at the moment. Mm -hmm. Now what happens when they start open up, opening up the economies again and people start moving around again? Um, uh, we're in the mass gathering business. We don't know if that's gonna come back as quick as some of these other, as some of these other uh, types of businesses. Yeah, I'm sure your cleaners is gonna come back online before we are. Sure. Sure, um, but we may get to these to these situations later later down the road um, in terms of what's impossible and what's you know if you have for example a Christmas show scheduled for this next December and things have opened up somewhat <clears throat> but you're afraid that people won't buy tickets because they're still afraid then you're going to have some of these terms we're kicking around today may become more relevant to that discussion. Sure, and I, and I can already see that starting to happen a little bit with um, situations where shows are looking to cancel several months out and we don't know what the landscape will look like at that point. So not understanding it, it at this point, it, it appears that it may be a force majeure, but we don't know. Things, things could certainly change. So absolutely correct. So even though yeah. we're having the, at the moment we're having this discussion, pretty much everything is impossible or a force majeure situation. Mm -hmm. It gets more gray the further out we look. Mm -hmm. Well, would a frustration of purpose to be, um, for example, words, two words that I never put together until about eight weeks ago of social distancing. So doing a, a festival type event, which is a collective experience in your close and you're with friends and you're with strangers and suddenly you're requiring that audience to be six feet apart and what is is that really the event that you want to put so, on yeah so right i mean well that that's basically public safety but let's look at it from the two sides you've got the promoter of the event and you've got the venue and and if one of them may want to assert frustration of purpose or impracticability of that event because of that, and, and and may say, hey, I can't perform because of that. If if they don't come to an accord, which I mentioned earlier, and come mm -hmm. to some deal, and you end up in a court of law, then it's then it's going to depend on your the, the the case law and the state and and how the how the court interprets that. <clears throat> some some states may say, hey, this is an unforeseen, this is a once a once in a century event. And um, we can't cause too many people to lose this much money. And they may say, okay, they, they, don't have to, they don't have to perform their contract. Other states may take the opposite, sign a deal. Um, if that's tough. Um, uh, you're going to have to go forward with the contract or lose your deposit or whatever it, it happens and pay expenses. Um, it's, like I said, it's not going to be a bright line. 
and it's it's very much uh, factually any court case is factually dependent. Mm -hmm. um, you have to establish all the facts before you can get to some sort of a legal analysis. Okay. <clears throat> I know that's not a nice solid answer, but no, it is it's well, we're, we're not in nice solid times right now. So right, right. be expected. Talk a little bit about you mentioned this, the states are different. What about even municipalities? So if you have a situation where um, the, the county or the city won't allow the event to go forward, how does that impact a force majeure when you're looking at it? Um, the contract is from a state level. Well, if it's an enforceable governmental order. Okay. If you can't convene, I, I, it's not going to be any different whether it's a state order or a, or a municipal order or a county order. If it's an enforceable order, um, then then um, it's still going to be impossibility of performance. I, I believe, just in my you know, just the way I that's the way I would take it. Sure. Yeah, but it, where we get into the gray area, whether it when it's one of those suggested orders um, that people stay home or people don't attend. Uh, then it starts getting gray. You know, we're all in a situation where I think we're all going to err on the side of public safety. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't think that's ever going to be the case. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to work within the industry for the good of the industry and the good of public safety. Uh, the last thing we want is, is an outbreak because we held an event. No, I think um, it's probably fair to say that no one is looking forward to being the first. That's correct. That's yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we're, we're all definitely, you know, erring on the side of caution. So are you, in your experience, are you hearing are most groups being, you know, amenable to this as far as, you know, invoking the force majeure clause and kind of understanding that, um, you know, and not getting much pushback? At least for now. Yeah. Um, at yeah. least for the moment. Um, and it, to, as you absolutely correctly pointed out, the future is unknown. Um, mm -hmm. there was ever an event where we had no clue as to what the future was going to bring. This is it. Um, it's not like a snowstorm or a, you know, an order that people can't go on the roads because of the snowstorm that you, can, you know is going to end. This is really quite a bit different. Um, and we don't really know what the end point is or, or the way it's going to look, uh, mm -hmm. at the end point. Um, so, you know, I, I think we all have to, we all have to have flexibility. Um, on the people that I supervise, um, they, they ask me questions about, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I said, to be very honest, I don't know. We've no. never been here before. <laughs> no, exactly. So we're going to yeah. take this one day at a time and we're going to make our decisions one day at a time. And that, that will go for interpreting and enforcing your contracts as well. And I think, you know, that is one of the most uncomfortable things about this whole, this whole issue is we're in a business of planning and planners and give me a date, know what I'm dealing with and let's figure it out. And we, none of us can do that at this point. No one, no one has found the crystal ball that tells us what the, the future will hold. I think the touring industry is starting to become reluctant to, to try to mount a, a major tour, even in the fall right now. Mm -hmm to the mm -hmm. expense involved. Um, and you know, we're keeping our fingers crossed that 21 is a better year than 20. Yeah, absolutely. So what would your final takeaway be just during this unprecedented time and how this force majeure is impacting, you know, our concert industry? What can we, what can we take? What's our takeaway? The best advice that anybody, if, if, if this was practicing law and I was your attorney, the best advice 
would be let's let's make a deal let's find an accord let's let's find a way to make this work for both of us now and in the future um let's you know let's balance our the equities here and see what we can do and do the best we can to not get in a in an expensive legal battle in court over something that's that's been created by a once in a once in a century event Great. Well, Bob, we thank you so much for your time and thank you all for listening and watching and stay safe and stay healthy. You too as well. Thank you.